I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast here to help inspire more people to discover and love the arts. I'm Ben Eshmade, and this week we're travelling back in our audio archives to May 2018 to Sounds and Visions, a series of 18 concerts and film screenings curated by composer Max Richter and artist Yulia Ma. It's a map of our enthusiasms, this, this festival. It's the festival we just like to go to. Over the last few decades, Max Richter's music has been something I've learned to depend upon on record, to relax or inspire. It has moved me in live performance and added depth and weight when I'm watching films on the big and small screen. The Barbican has been one of the places where we've had the opportunity to experience his music being performed by the composer himself on stage, normally directing for the piano, whether with his ensemble or some of the leading orchestras. Sounds and Visions, this curation was the next natural step in the relationship with the venue, digging deeper into his influences and passions. You know, it's that sort of kitchen kitchen table cup of tea moment, and, mm. and that's just so fruitful. Opening eyes and ears to new sounds and visions, this three-day event series included a rare performance of Infra by Max and the Twelve Ensemble, Three Worlds from his Wolf Works, and the Chinake Orchestra with a live performance of his score to Waltz with Bashir. Plus, the curators invited the likes of the London Syrian Ensemble, Colin Stetson's XI, and Katerina Barbieri, and many more to perform across the Barbican, LSO St Luke's and Milton Court Concert Hall. On the first of two podcasts, I speak to Caitlin Aurelia-Smith. That it's kind of like gardening, where what can I do to make this, you know, have the best conditions to grow? And Jalen. So before the, the world hears it, my mother hears everything. It doesn't, yeah, that'll never change. First, I travelled to Oxfordshire to join Max and Yulia over tea and some rather nice biscuits at their studio base to discuss, well, everything. Well, how did we meet? Well, I was playing a concert, the Edinburgh Festival, way back at the beginning of Piano Circus. We were playing Steve Reich, Six Pianos and Terry Riley in C. And on one of my days off, I went to see sort of uh, like a theatre project, wasn't it, of the Mahabharata, uh, the Indian epic, which was performed by a large number of people in a gym somewhere on the outskirts of Edinburgh. And um, one of these people kind of caught my eye, and I thought, oh, that's an amazingly beautiful woman playing that, playing that uh, character there. And uh, then I went, you know what? You're never going to see her again, so just calm down. You Forget about it, you know. Um, and then lo and behold, I did see her again um, in London. Uh, a couple of years later, 
and um, in a, in another theater. And uh, yeah, you know, that was it. Well, I didn't know any anything of that at all. <laughs> I had no idea. I met Max because I thought he was a composer. I was going to interview for a job. And so I just interviewed him and he got the job. I was an assistant director at that time at the mm. theater. It was this amazing space. And so that was this was part of this amazing kind of experimental mm. theater space for young people. And so I'd, I'd interviewed Max and we sat in the back rows, didn't we, just chatting about life, the world and everything, a lot about art. 26 years later, here we are. <laughs> so what was your first collaboration? Was it Sleep or something before then? Well, we've, in a way, we've, we've been working in parallel and joined up in lots of different settings. I mean, we, I guess it sort of crystallised in the Berlin years. Uh, we uh, had the studio where there was sort of my studio, Yuli's studio in this building um, in a factory in Mitter. And then there was a gallery there. And so I was doing music and there were photographic shows and sort of art, sort of artwork being made. And then these things sort of slowly started to join up. And I guess even recomposed, you'd, we worked together on some of the visual material of that and the design side of it and the ideas. And then sleep is probably the next step in that process. Yeah, I was, I was thinking it probably goes back even earlier than that, doesn't it, really? I mean, it, we had conversations about the Blue Notebooks and Memory House it's at the, the very beginning. And it's the kitchen table, isn't it? Oh. It's talking about, I mean, especially because I'm from Eastern Europe and that, that, that features quite strongly in Max's mm. thoughts about the world and about the journeys of the last century. And my family had incredible journeys across Europe and were refugees. And, and so I think that, that whole conversation feeds into yeah, your sure. work, doesn't it? And mm. kind of texts that we've both read and are interested in and, and writers. And, and there's, always a back, there's always been a back and forth. Creative work is, uh, it's talking. Um, it's having conversations, uh, you know, obviously with your audience, but also, you know, with the people around you. And that's very natural. And uh, Yuli and I have always just sort of, you know, we've sort of always uh, turning things over in our minds, aren't we? Mm. One way and another. And, and it's really part of part of our process, yeah. I'm very fiery as a person. And Max has taught me a lot about patience and <laughs> the long view of art. I'm like, oh, this is terrible, this is good, this is bad, this is straight, you know, big reactions straight away. Max is more like, come on, just, just see the journey of it. And you know, a piece of music for me is, it's a narrative form, mm. but it's also a place. You know, you're trying to discover a place in a way. I and mean, that for me has always been very important. But, um, and I guess that's one of the things that, uh, you know, our sort of, preoccupations we have in common which is people and society art and society and 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 sort of why art is there a sort of a line between the studio and home in the sense of you try not to listen to or be influenced by other things in the studio 
Well, I'm not listening to music if I'm writing. No, I'm not. I'm. I tend not to do that, unless it's. I mean, I listen to you know Purcell and stuff, but nothing that's remotely sort of on my planet. Yeah, I sort of try to keep away from anything which which has got a sort of kinship with what I'm up to, um, just because it's. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I mean, writing is really a process of sort of hunting down material, hunting down ideas, and you have to stay sort of quite focused mm. in that state. I think a lot of people listening will know your music, but maybe don't know Yulia's work as well. So I think it's worth asking, mm. could you maybe describe or pick a piece that we should maybe hunt out to try and understand her perspective and maybe that guides us through the, the festival in some way. Yeah, I mean, Yulia's work isn't easy to summarise. I mean, she's a sort of multi-pronged creature, um, very sort of uh, diverse in her enthusiasms, but, I mean, it, it's all united by an interest in visual anthropology is the word, uh, is the sort of uh, construct, and that's to do with, you know, how images and people sort of connect in society and sort of we take meaning from that and that sort of creative space in terms of like how it relates to what we've done together I think the the films Yulia made for sleep are really um, I mean they're, they're amazing um, but I think they also talk a lot about your enthusiasms you know because the big thing I take from those films is how the people are and anyone who hasn't seen those I think you know find those really interesting move to the festival where did you start started at the kitchen table again didn't we have a fun time just looking at all the artists that we really like i mean it's it's a map of our enthusiasms this this festival it's the festival we just like to go to and so it was really a matter of just sitting down and and i mean we could fill a month you know we had mm. a lot of artists we were shuffling around names and 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 looking at everything they were up to and how they connected and and so yeah and how much did you think about what you would like to perform you've, you've chosen a few more rarer gems shall i say yes i mean we wanted to play infra because you know i haven't played it that much and it's a piece which seemed to chime with you know the overarching theme of you know society and creativity because the piece is about the london uh, bombings of 7-7 and you know the uh, social dimension of that also had an opportunity to play it with a larger ensemble which i was interested in you mm. know because normally it's a quintet and we've actually got the 12 ensemble so it's a bigger band and then I wanted to play uh, Three Worlds because I haven't played it in London. And um, that's a piece we've played a couple of times. And it's, it's been a really uh, wonderful experience to play that music, which was, you know, it was written for ballet, obviously, for Wayne at, uh, at the Royal Ballet. And to just play that as a musical object was really exciting. Words, English words, are full of echoes, memories, associations, naturally. They've been out and about on people's lips in our houses, in the streets, in the fields, for so many centuries. And that is one of the chief difficulties in writing in the day. They're stored with other meanings, with other memories. And they have contracted so many famous marriages in the past. The splendid word, incarnadine, for example, who can use that? 
that remembering multitudinous scenes. There's a lot of free concerts, which I think is a really nice aspect of it. Free screenings as well, yeah. Uh, was, that impo- was that important? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the aspirations of the project really is to try and sort of go beyond boundaries, you know, both in terms of genre and in terms of, yeah, audiences. And, of course, you know, to try and be as open as possible. And, and so, yeah, we've got um, quite a lot of material available, which is just people can just wander in, you know, mm. which is really cool. You can't encounter things you weren't expecting to encounter unless they just sort of are happening around you. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a very sort of open space, the festival, as much as we can possibly make it. Yeah. Could you talk about the screenings then? I mean, so the, the music part of it, we were really interested in this interdisciplinary conversations. And then I thought, OK, well, I want to do something similar with the screenings. But in a way, people have seen the films around at the moment that are doing that. So I thought, okay, I'm going to delve a bit into the past and and go back to uh, 1950s and 1960s when people were doing the same kind, same kind of interdisciplinary work and on uh, in a very different way, of course. But and and so a lot of the films are connected somehow, either through the people working on them. So we we have kind of the Charles and Ray Eames doing with Elmer Bernstein, but then Charles and Ray Eames also worked with Herbert Matter, and Herbert Matter did the film about Calder, and Calder's score was done by John Cage, and he also worked with Maya Deren, and Maya Deren's there. So I tried to work it like that a little map of people who mm. might be working together and you know you've got Shirley Clark and you uh, and all these kind of people and then also I put in the Moog film because I thought you know not everybody knows about analog synthesizers yeah. and here's a very great film that is a is a very good introduction yeah. to to what's going on in that world and I thought well hey there's so many of these these things in the festival that why don't we program this film too so there are occasional films out there that are slightly different my favorite film is the Stravinsky film you have to have you seen the Stravinsky oh it's fantastic I never am seasick never I am sea drunk quite different for good health if he makes a mistake he has an electric eraser with for the special for the special ink so he can erase it with the electric eraser then he has something else also electric we have a lot, a lot of electric things <laughs> it's uh, wolf koenig and and, and uh, roman kreuter who were working at the national film board of canada and they were they were very innovative filmmakers that were working at the forefront of direct cinema that was coming out of canada at the time it was very very fertile ground and they made this beautiful film about stravinsky and about the recording of it's absolutely brilliant isn't it it's a recording of symphony of psalms and you know, the first half of the film is the recording of the Symphony of Psalms. So you get Stravinsky, this maestro, and this orchestra, who's this adulation in the room. And then you get the guys in the box who are trying to record the thing, who are just like tearing their hair out. <laughs> and they're going crazy with the whole, and they don't know how to how to talk to Stravinsky because he's the master, but oh my God, that was so terrible, that piece. You know, <laughs> And then you get them on a ship going to, you get him on, he's 18, he's going on a ship to Hamburg, one of his last journeys, and, and he's talking wow. to um, Nabokov, who's one of his old friends, and they're talking talking in Russian and they're talking in Italian and they're talking in French and they're talking about the film crew and they're having a whiskey and it's just a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film. So, yeah, so there's an odd ones like that, just films that I absolutely love as well. I love to compose the music, uh, which I did already 70, more than 70 years. And, you know, I... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Always like to compose music more than the music itself. And it's interesting because you learnt with Berio and he makes an appearance in one of the concerts. Again, a composer that I don't know a lot about, if I'm, right. if I'm honest. Well, Berio, yeah. Berio is my teacher, sort of post-grad. And um, Symphonia is, um, is an amazing piece. Uh, it's, in a way, it's like a giant mashup. There's something very contemporary about it. Uh, he takes a whole enormous number of like, other repertoire works and sort of mashes them together. Mm. It's full of quotations. There's a whole movement about Martin Luther King. It's very political. You know, it's a kind of storytelling, social narrative. It's full of energy. It's brilliantly made piece of music. And, uh, yeah, it was very influential to me in terms of, you know, ways of thinking about how, you know, music and stories can sort of impact and connect to society. So I really wanted to include that. Uh, in the festival uh, and it's kind of a monster and if people haven't heard it I mean it really does it, it, it will floor you it's amazing it's that difference between hearing something on record and hearing it live and I think sometimes perhaps the, the more challenging or the more interesting or deeper works you have to really first step in the concert hall yeah I mean the physical presence of those sounds you know and the energy coming off the stage uh, I mean, it's uh, it has a it, it really makes an impact, I think, and and you know, recording is you know it's it's a little bit one dimensional by comparison. Mm. I'm really looking forward to that program. That's going to be an amazing night. I'm looking forward to the Ives as well. Yeah, I was going to mention Charles Ives. I, I mean, of, of all the composers, he was one that was not appreciated at the time. He was right. doing something completely, vaguely insane, I suppose, you know, in regards to the clashing of harmonies. and. Yeah. But now it, it sounds so modern. Yes, Ives, he's a really, you know, when people say, he's vis- you know, use the word visionary, I mean, they really, that was invented for Charles Ives. I mean, he was a guy working really in 
pretty much in isolation. And he, you know, developed all kinds of ideas about music, which were, you know, considered to be revolutionary when, when they were sort of invented, so-called in, in Vienna, sort of around about the same time. But, you know, here was this guy who was, he really was a sort of an inventor. The unanswered question, uh, which is, you know, you've got three kinds of music coexisting in this space. Yes. You know, it's really, really bizarre. You, you have the kind of the string sort of background radiation and these sort of odd interjections from the winds and then this sort of really sort of mysterious trumpet motif which is, so bears no relationship to anything anyone's ever heard before yeah and yeah he wrote this in 1907 or 8 i mean it's extraordinarily modern in its kind of architectural yeah. thinking everything about it and then of course he you know put it in a drawer for 30 years and didn't hear it i mean it's it's an amazing <laughs> sort of origin story of of an amazing piece And the last thing on that program is the Reich. The Tehillim, yeah. Well, I mean, that piece is, I mean, it's just a, it's a masterpiece of right. I mean, it's extraordinary. We were talking about this earlier, and I was thinking about, you know, I mean, it's, it is a setting of the Psalms, you know. So we're used to the idea of, you know, liturgical music as this kind of solemn, uh, sort of dusty thing, mm. either from the past or, you know, deadly serious 20th century uh, music. I guess the only, you know, going back over the last sort of 20 years or so, the only really notable composer that sort of, you know, made an impact would be Arvo Pert, mm. whose music is, you know, it's sublime, but it is very, very sort of, in a way, sort of low energy. It's sort of ritual music in a way. Mm. Whereas the Reich has got, it, it's sort of really groovy and it's, uh, it's got sort of ecstaticness, you know, <laughs> which you just, we just don't have that in religious music. I love the fact there's this, this, some real burning talents on this bill. Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously, Jay Lynn and, and, and uh, Caitlin are sort of, you know, come, sort of come through the last couple of years. Mm. Next, I spoke to Caitlin Aurelia-Smith. For me, voice is my main instrument, even though I'm not a singer. I would never, I would never classify myself as a vocalist, but it's the instrument that's always with me. That's where everything starts, is I always begin with just something that's in my head and then I sing it and then I figure out what instrument's going to have it what's the notation where like then I create the MIDI and then I decide like where where's that going to go or I play it on the instrument but a lot of times when I'm traveling I, I just record a lot of different vocal tracks and then figure out where the instruments um, like how they're going to fit in yeah it really depends lesson that I learned when and that I'm still learning all the time and that I that I hope to always hold on to this lesson is trying to be objective about what I'm making so that that it's kind of like gardening where where I'm like what can I do to make this you know have the best conditions to grow so it's less about about my personal attachment to it and then that just makes it more comfortable for when there are moments where it's like, oh no, I have to start all over because it's, you know, it's not going in the right direction. 
this is um, a reference that <laughs> is something that my husband and I have been watching recently, which you might get a kick out of because I guess a lot of Americans are watching it right now, but The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> I love how the hosts go around and they're like, it's just a cake, don't worry, it's just a cake. And I feel like that's kind of the attitude that I'm hoping to have with creativity is like, is like be passionate and love it and devoted to it, but also remember that it's just, you know, it's just this piece of music. It's not everything. You're like a mad magician, for a better phrase, when you're performing live across all the different keyboards and loops and uh, sounds. <laughs> I hope I'm not mad. <laughs> um, I mean, I love movement. It's been a lot of fun to like think about that each time that I'm making the new live set of like of like, oh, what what are all the the gestures? And then and then it feels like this fun playground to just like learn the language of gestures, which, you know, aren't, aren't separate from like the sound being made, but just like, for instance, in, in the live set currently, I have a foot pedal that does a lot of different things. And so that, that creates this gesture of like my leg. And then, uh, it's a more vertical setup rather than horizontal. So, so I have like this motion of up and down, and then there's like a cross and, and then there's patching, like a lot of patching in the, the current set. And then I play a lot of the rhythms with my, my thumb and my, and my feet. And then there's singing. And so there's like a lot of fun gestures to play around with. Speaking about the, the upcoming performance of the Barbican, it's an audio-visual performance. Could you talk a little about the visual side of what you'll be doing? Yeah, I love the visuals for this set so much. My husband made them. Who he also made the last, the last visuals with another friend. It was a collaboration in the last one. The way that they're working in this live set, they're talking to each other through MIDI, so they're perfectly synced up. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Jalen? I basically, I mean, I started at the end of 2007 and started as something I, you know, was trying to do. And then it escalated into something that I was actually doing. Um, I ended, I took on the um, Planet Mood 
had reached out to me in 2010, late 2010, early 2011 with the track I had done, Erotic Heat, and they wanted it on the compilation Bangs and Works Volume 2. That's kind of how it sparked. I'm talking, I'm talking about, you know, my career-wise with me actually music-wise. Just started off just something I was trying. Like, somebody had given me a, um, a not-so-legal version of um, FL Studios. And um, I just, that's how I started. And it just kind of went from there. The first person who listens to every track I do is my mother. Everything. So before the, the world hears it, my mother hears everything. So, and it, it's still the same. It's still that same way. I build everything from scratch. So building everything from scratch like that, it, it depends. Like I start in the percussion section. Sometimes it starts with a certain sound or, you know, or a, a bell or, you know, something like that. Like I love bells, Tibetan, Tibetan bells. I love the um, the hang drum. You know, I, I love different. I love um, the, the, the marimba, you know, different sounds. Just... It, it all depends or sometimes it could be something the sound of a chainsaw like I have a very very broad hearing of <laughs> sound there are certain tracks like it's like a broad perspective of going from like a carbon 12 or a blue eye to like a Guantanamo like for me you know it's just it's a very broad a very change of direction I think versatility is really important Let's move on to dance more generally. Before this, you have worked with the Wayne McGregor company. Yeah, um, Wayne, working with Wayne McGregor, that's like, that's family. Wayne accepted me like I was family. Working with him is like, you learn so much from Wayne because Wayne has, he's so direct and to the point. I met him at the end of 2016 in Chicago and the, we didn't even jump into the work when we first met. We jumped, We wanted to get to know each other. What is it that you do? What is it that you're looking for? You ha- and you know, it, Wayne. I did. Look, I, I wasn't starstruck by Wayne, and Wayne wasn't, you know, falling all over me. It, it was really two artists sat down and said, "How are we going to make our worlds merge?" I thank him because he allowed me to do something that nobody has ever done before but he allowed me to express something that I always had inside of me that nobody has ever heard you'll hear it though in October he, he just he let me like actually score because I I, tr- I knew I could but I had never done it so like I wasn't working within of course the BPM that I would normally work in a, like a 157 or a 155 or you know whatever 161 or whatever I literally this was like maybe 119 110s you know, I was actually really doing something I had never done. And so, like, the world will get to hear it, you know, soon. What will you be presenting at the Barbican? Could you tell us more about that? Nope, I don't talk about that. You just have to show up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a new dance piece. Can we say that? Yeah, you could say it's a new dance piece, but at, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't talk about it. You just show up and then you can critique it later. <laughs> No, this is something different. This is something entirely different. This is something that um, we actually had um, I, with a totally different dance. Um, I'll tell you who's involved. 
if you ever saw my video, Unknown Tongues, Lillian Steiner, she's involved. So I'll say that. This is a totally different thing. When we return for our second exploration of what was the Sounds and Visions weekend, we speak to director Ari Foldman and Chinake Orchestra founder Chichi Wanaku about award-winning Israeli animated war documentary Waltz with Bashir. I think it's it's much more than all the separate elements you have in it. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of the podcast. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.